Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to smash it up on a Monday night. Hope you brought some beverages with you because we're talking Florida State for the next hour here on War Chant TV alongside managing editor Ira Chauffel. My name is Tom Lang. This is Monday Smash presented by State Farm agent and longtime supporter of WarChant.com. Huge Knoll fan, Russ Voorhis. More on Russ in a little bit. Ira, good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Tom? Man, I'm good. It's We're, we're starting to get into like a... An information groove where there's not panic every 10 seconds and breaking news unexpectedly and you got a spoonful of dinner and then you're saying, oh, well, I guess we got to do a video. So it's nice to be getting in a routine. I'm sure as the managing editor, you're probably appreciating that as well. Yeah. And most of the news at this point seems to be pretty positive, right? You know, just locking up players, locking up uh, schedule dates and uh, everything's moving, moving forward. I agree. Now, uh, the news of the day, a couple of good things for Florida State. Uh, one is a, is a player that's retained, and we'll talk about that in a little bit and what that signals for the defensive depth. But first, Florida State's schedule is coming into view. If you are just tuning into Warchant TV for the first time in a few days, uh, on Friday, the ACC announced that they're going to be leaking the schedule out incrementally over this week. Today's information was what happens in week one. Tomorrow, the ACC is going to be talking about Thursday night football and Friday night football games in the ACC. And then on Wednesday, there's going to be a full release of everybody's schedules, and that will start at 5 o'clock Eastern time. So for today's information, uh, Ira, this is something that we knew. It had been leaked before, uh, but that Florida State would be playing in week one. After the trip to Dublin, they would be playing Boston College, and they will be given a couple of extra days to do so. So let's pull that graphic up on the screen. Here's what we know. As of right now, tomorrow, there might be some more gaps filled in. But six of Florida State's 12 games are on the schedule, and we know the dates. It starts with the trip to Dublin on uh, the 24th of August against Georgia Tech. And then, Ira, what we learned today is they're going to be hosting Boston College on Monday night of Labor Day weekend. Again, something we kind of know, but three games in the very early portion of the season and then three games in November are known. So uh, that's what's going on. What, what say you about what you've seen so far? Yeah, and, and we had, uh, you know, I think Mike Norvell even kind of said it on the record uh, accidentally. I think we we knew off the record from several people that uh, that that game was going to be on that Monday night. It was kind of, I think it was kind of negotiated at the time that they did the uh, George, the Georgia Tech game in Dublin. The idea being, you know, last year um, Notre Dame played Navy uh, in in Ireland, and then they played seven days later at home, but against like an FCS school. Yeah. And I think Florida State the way it was probably going to work out is they probably were going to need to play um, an ACC game. So by putting on that Monday night, it gives them a couple extra days cushion. So, you know, theoretically Florida State will play in Ireland on Saturday. I think Mike Norvell even said at that press conference back when the game was announced uh, last year that they might actually take another day or so uh, in Ireland to kind of enjoy the trip and then get back. So they probably won't have to really even start practicing that next week for the Monday game until middle of the week. So it works out really good. So again, we knew it was kind of coming, but now it's official. And and again, it's one more piece. Now we know six of the 12 home dates for the season. And again, let's revisit that real quick, if you don't mind, Director Ben, taking a look at those uh, those games. If it's in all caps, it's at home. If it's not, it's on the road. Or, like Georgia Tech, it's in Dublin. So the games that we don't know right now, at Miami, at Duke, at SMU, so weird to say, because that's not a part of the non-conference schedule. It's part of the conference schedule and then home games with Clemson, North Carolina, and again a weird one in Cal. Ira, there's a lot of weekends to spread this out over because there's there's extra bye weeks involved. And then of course Florida State in a week zero situation would have an extra bye coming anyway. So this is this um schedule is going to be in some segments here. There's going to be little 
divided sections uh, when this is all said and done, where Florida State's going to get some breaks. Uh, any thoughts on where at least one of those bye weeks may appear? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they're they're going to have a bye week on the 7th of September. I mean, we've been hearing that's probably going to be the case, and it just seems almost impossible to, to conceive, a, conceive a situation where you'd play on Monday night uh, after playing in Ireland and then have to play again the following Saturday. And and so, again, I think this was all kind of orchestrated pretty, pretty early on as far as that early um, part of the schedule. So I think Florida State's definitely going to have a bye week on November 7th. Um, and then the question – you know, from there is where do those other two bye weeks uh, fall? And I think some people, you know, there there are different kinds of Florida State fans. There are some people who want to know everything about the schedule as early as possible, and those people probably clued into the fact that Florida State's going to have three bye weeks this this year because all of college football will have two bye weeks. But because you're playing in week zero, you're going to get three. Florida State will have three this year. Um, but some other people are probably just real, realizing that now. So it's going to be an interesting uh, schedule. You also wonder, because they're going to have those three bye weeks, <clears throat> is that going to make it a little bit more palatable to give Florida State one of those Thursday games, which are always kind of tricky. A lot of times uh, schools fight having that five-day turnaround. But if you've got a bye week the week before, you can bank on Florida State's probably going to have at least one of those Thursday games. So, um, you know, again, we don't know what those are, but, but Florida State hasn't had many Thursday games lately. They've been playing some of those Friday games against Boston College, and they had the Friday game against Florida uh, last year. Um, but I, I have a feeling you're going to see some Thursday, at least one Thursday on the schedule this year. So, Ira, I, I got a sleuth here just because I'm looking at the opponents. I would guess because they're getting a weeknight game at home, I'm just going to guess that they would do a Thursday game on the road. And and this is me, again, guessing in the dark. They're not going to do that for Miami. They wouldn't. So your two candidates at that point would be either at Duke or at SMU. And to me, at SMU on the road would be a very weird and cool way to introduce an awkward conference relationship with the Mustangs. But I would think, again, we'll see how it comes out on Wednesday. But if I'm laying a prediction down, they would have a weeknight game on the road either against Duke or against SMU. I think that's uh, that's something that might hold water. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's very difficult. And again, some people know this, some people may not realize this. It's very, very difficult for Florida state, almost impossible for Florida state to host a Thursday night game. They have done it before. The only time I remember them doing it was that Clemson game when they had the fall break, uh, for one of the Bowden bowls. And then <clears throat> because of the way, and if people have been to the stadium, you know, it's, it's, it's part of campus and it's there, there's so many academic classrooms in Doe Campbell stadium. They basically have to shut down for people to be able to tailgate for a Thursday night game. They have to shut down basically the whole campus. And so it's just really difficult for Florida state to host a Thursday night game. So it's almost always on the road. And uh, yeah, I would lean towards Duke just from a, I don't know. Part of me thinks that like a, from a travel standpoint, uh, but, but you make a good point. And the reality is, Travel isn't, I mean, you know, it's an, <laughs> yeah. an extra hour and a flight. Maybe Dallas is not a far flight. Um, so it's, um, so yeah, man, I could, I could see the one of those and you make a good point. SMU might be a fun Thursday night game. Well, and also you got to throw in the construction of the stadium as well, you know, in terms of parking spaces and things like that uh, for considerations, it's going to be a, a bumpy year and to add a weeknight game in Tallahassee beyond the Monday would be, would be kind of tough. Um, also today uh, news for Florida state. This is big because in the last week, Daryl Jackson's name uh, appeared on the social media handle of the Battle's End. The Battle's End uh, X or Twitter account is something that people check every day now to see what players are locked in with Florida State. And then today, Ira Joshua Farmer, um, the interior defensive lineman, who again, uh, you know, I think they've been giving Florida State fans headaches and, and maybe heart attacks a little bit over the last year <laughs> in terms of will they stay or will they go. But it appears, it appears for now. Yeah. at least as a, the NIL collective is concerned, that those two players are back in the fold. Meaning, a month ago, it seemed like maybe Patrick Payton, Josh Farmer, Daryl Jackson might not be a part of plans. All three are in the fold for at least the spring and probably the fall of 2024. Yeah, it's as good as, it's as uh, secure as you could feel. Um, you know, again, until in, in this era of college football, uh, unless somebody's with your team in the fall, it's hard to know 100% for sure. But, yeah, I mean, they, it looks very good for Florida State. The fact that they did re-up on their uh, NIL deals with the battle's end definitely is a, is a really good sign. And Josh Farmer, I think, I don't know, I, he and Patrick Payton are probably the two biggest ones that people wanted to know about, right? Like for, coming into this season, into this offseason, 
uh, just because that position is so hard to fill. You can you can find defensive backs, you can find receivers, you can find running backs, uh, but it's really hard to find players in the line of scrimmage. And if and if things didn't go well, as you said, um, you know Patrick Payton at one point tweeted that he was going to go in the transfer portal. He changed his mind. There was a report that Josh Farmer was going to go in the transfer portal. He never put anything on social media and kind of denied it pretty quickly. Uh, but there's always been a concern because a year ago that he and Daryl Jackson, there was you know a lot of concern about whether they were going to stay. So um, as for right now, they're on the team, and, and that you know really gives you an idea of what they've added in the transfer portal these last few weeks, or not you know these last couple of weeks, really since uh, just January first, uh, the the defensive lineman they've added to this group. Now you, with what they've got coming back, man, you feel really good. I think about that defensive front, and I already felt good about the secondary. Now and then you you pick up a linebacker last week, and you've got DJ Lundy coming back, and you see that defense really kind of taking shape. Well, that's something I want to talk about in just a second. But uh, for those of you that are popping in, and maybe you're thinking, "Hey, we're going to hear about Junior Day in about a half an hour from now." Michael Langston will join us on Monday Smash, and we'll talk about two RPM picks he's put in. That's uh, the on three manner in which you predict somebody's going to say yes and commit to Florida State, and then we're going to take some of uh, your questions for Michael before the show's out. If you've got questions for Ira and I, you do have about 25 to 30 minutes to do that, so populate those in the chat, and Director Ben behind the scenes will pull those up. Uh, but Ira, I want to get back to the defensive line first because now I've been waiting for that, like this this watershed moment where mm-hmm. you're going to be getting Jackson and Farmer back because now if you line it up, the interior, you've got those two guys, you've got Grady Kelly, the transfer, Daniel Lyons, maybe K.J. Sampson gets uh, some more important reps. And then on the edges, you've got Patrick Payton back. Marvin Jones Jr. is going to be your other pass rush type. But Sione Lolohea, very good player for Oregon State, second team all-conference. Tomiwa Durajaye from West Virginia, Byron Turner. Like, there's depth there now, Ira. They can rotate if they want to and have some fresh bodies in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, without question. And I think that's as important as anything. I mean, Patrick Payton's going to be the flash guy. He's going to make you know a lot of plays. He could he he could be a guy that racks up 10, 11 sacks next year. Um, but in terms of the depth, where I thought Florida State was so good late in games was that depth, rotating those guys in, especially throughout the course of a season. And I think that was part of why, you know, we we questioned it sometimes. Uh, you know, Corey sitting next to Corey in the press box, he would get mad a lot of times during games because Early in games, they're taking Jared Verse and Patrick Payton out and putting in the backup defensive ends, um, Gilbert Edmond and Byron Turner. And I got Corey's frustration, but I think when you look at how well that defense played in those last few weeks, I think they were partly they were able to do that because those guys didn't have all that wear and tear on their bodies. And I think that's going to be key again this year. I think that depth is there. They probably need – I like – when you talk about the defensive tackles, I like Daniel Lyons a lot, and I think KJ Sampson's got a chance to be really, really good. Uh, but he'll be a redshirt freshman um, this season. So um, you mentioned the three older guys that they'll have in the defensive tackle rotation. I think they probably need to get at least one more. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, defensive end, I think they're set. I, I I feel like they're in really good shape. And again, it you know you don't have Jared Verse in in. You'd love to have Braden Fisk and Fabian Lovett back, but at some point they have to move on. Um, and I think you've got a really nice uh, combination of talent, experience, and depth on that defensive line. Ira, it's something that uh, reminds me of of Leonard Hamilton's rotations. You know, the argument that we had with with what Mike Norvell, and, and maybe you weren't arguing, but I was. I was in the post game show saying, "Good lord, it's a ten ten ball game in the third quarter. Do we have to have backups in? You know, you can go win the game now and not not let this thing go all the way to the distance and and uh, to the final." few minutes boston college is one of those specific places where i got very frustrated but you know coach ham has done this for years and years with the long uh, the large rotation that florida state had and it could be the beginning of a game where he's trying to steal minutes in the uh, first media timeout the second media timeout uh and then he rotates in his sixth man who might be his best player in some instances uh but well and then look at their they just they they own the ncaa record for overtime wins i think they've got 13 or 14 straight overtime wins and i mean you don't have to be a basketball expert to figure out that that probably is part of it. Oh, yeah. um, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying it's it's definitely the right thing to do in all situations. And I get, you know, and again, I sit next to Corey, so I hear him complaining about it. And I know you get frustrated with it too. And I'm not saying I agree with it in all situations, yeah. but that is the that is the reason they do it. And uh, I think they're going to be in position to do it again 
uh, this season. Well, that and that's where I have to say, like, I got to stand down because what they look like the last two weeks of the season, and and by that I mean the Florida game and, and the ACC championship game. I mean they went to a different plane. Some of that was necessity because they knew that if they gave up north of twenty, they're they're kind of probably in trouble to win the football game. But still, they looked as fresh. You know, they were on the field, Ira, in the first half of the Florida game forever, and yet they were the ones that looked fresh down the stretch. So you can't argue with the methodology, and they do have the depth there now. I think they've got the depth at defensive back as well. I know that's something we haven't talked about a whole lot. Um, you know, Florida State's added a lot in this recruiting class, and then Earl Little's a name that we've discussed quite a bit. But they do have veteran holdovers. There's a good mix uh, of defensive backs coming into spring. We'll see how it all shakes out. But they've got a good balance there of guys who have been in the program for several years, some redshirt freshmen who are really talented, some true freshmen who are talented, and then some transfers as well. That's going to be a fun mess in a good way, a, a good mess to sort through in spring. Yeah, the competition is going to be uh, tremendous there. I mean, because there's guys you don't even – I think we kind of forget about to some degree. You know, uh, Greedy Vance didn't have a huge number of big you know, game-changing plays this season. So I think he's somebody people don't forget about – people forget about a little bit. Kevin Knowles kind of moved into that safety role to help out with depth there. He's naturally been a more of a, a slot corner, and he had more success as a slot corner. I also don't think he was healthy this past year. Now Jarian Jones is gone, so now maybe you got Kevin Knowles more into that slot corner role. But you also have Edwin Joseph, who was a redshirt freshman that I thought was real impressive last year. So he got hurt. Conrad Hussey's a young guy. He, you know, KJ Kirkland, Quindarius Jones, a corner. Um, that defensive back room is is becoming a problem. And then especially, you know, then you add in some of these freshmen. Now, I think uh, looking at them, at the practices we saw down in South Florida, you know, it looked like some of these newcomers, Charles Lester, Kai Bates, you know, they need to, they need to spend a little time in the weight room. They're not as developed as these older defensive backs are. Um, but they're supposed to be super talented too. So that, it's going to be fun to watch that group this spring. I've never asked you about this actually. So when you were down there, cause everybody was worried about opt-outs and like the sky's falling. And so we didn't really talk about some of those. Uh, I don't even know what you call it. Super early enrollees. Cause it's not even spring semester yet, but you're able to be there for practice. It's kind of a new phenomenon, but were there some signees that stood out to you? Um, I mean, what did Croman Hawk look like and maybe some limited action he got anything that stood out to you about what you were able to observe that week of practices? Unfortunately, we didn't get to see as much as we do when they're at home. Yeah, um, yeah. And the reason they do that is when they, when they go to bowl sites, you know, Mike Norvell, I think, would allow us in for the whole practice, but he wouldn't be able to keep out the other team's media for the whole practice. Right. So because the other teams don't do it, he doesn't do it. So we didn't get a ton of time. Uh, I will say, yeah, I mean, Lester 100% looks fluid. I mean, watching him running, just watching him run those basic drills we get to see in the po- portions of practice where we get to film – Clearly, and then uh, Kromenhawk has a has a live arm, no question about it. I think when they did the practices, for, the impression I got was they didn't have it wasn't they didn't have the the freshmen doing all the team stuff because they would have been lost and they would have slowed things down. Mm-hmm. So I think they just did some fundamental stuff early and then did some basic stuff and watched a lot. Um, but you know, you could see you definitely could see the talent level of those young guys. I know this is something we'll get to the questions in just a moment, but I know this is something that you would co-sign, but it's important, you know, not to, and this is a lesson that I learned this past year in several ways, but not to assign the 2023 version of a player in your brain to the definitive. That's what that player is moving forward. Guys can develop um, and guys can change their stories. Like for example, Jarion Jones is the player I would circle that we watch camps and Jarion was unavailable. He was banged up a little bit, and, and he came on, uh, I think it was late in fall, as, as that camp was was starting to wrap up. But Greedy Vance had kind of locked down slot corner and nickel mm-hmm. corner at that time. And then the depth chart comes out, and Jarion's name is on top of it. And the thought was maybe that's a nod, maybe not. Maybe it's merit. But by the end of the year, I, I mean, uh, pro football focus is one metric, but Jarion made a ton of huge plays for Florida State. Yeah. And if we were talking in January of last year, I know I would have said, man, I, I hope we have a solution that's not Jarion Jones. And yet by the end of the year, like he's one of the dudes. So it's just it's a word of caution as we enter, you know, even if it's a Kevin Knowles or a Greedy Vance, like, well, let it play out because sometimes guys surprise you. And, and it's across the board. I mean, Renardo Green is we weren't the only ones who kind of wrote off Renardo Green two or three years into his career. There were people inside the program who did not think Renardo Green was going to become anything close to what he became, Um, but, you know, got healthier, you know, just it it started to click. And that's the 
the thing that stinks really, uh, one of the things that I think that stinks about the transfer portal is there, you know, and you know, Jimbo would say this, uh, you know, Bobby Bowden would say this coaches have said this since the beginning of time that not every player develops at the same pace. And some guys come in and look great as freshmen, but never really get a whole lot better. Some guys don't look great as freshmen and get better and better and better. But with the portal and guys just bailing after a year or two, I, I really think it's, it's, I'm, I think it's going to affect some guys. I think it's going to it's going to hurt some players' ability to um, develop because you don't have that that time invested in one program. And a lot of times, these other schools are going to be looking for somebody to come in for a quick fix. I just I think there's some side, I guess, some consequences to the transfer portal that I think are going to affect that natural evolution if you can't keep guys. Uh, in your program for the whole four or five years. Yeah, you've got several examples in the defensive backfield, like cautionary tales. Like one of them is Omarion Cooper is going to be your lockdown guy. He wasn't. Renardo Green is your liability. No, he was your lockdown guy. Yeah. Uh, Akeem Dent, you need to find a replacement for Akeem Dent. Well, last year he was one of the most valuable defensive backs <laughs> Florida State had. So uh, it'll be fun to document the ups and the downs. But uh, all I would say is like, don't buy all the stock in one player just now because you might get end up uh, with no money in your hand, if you're yeah. if you're a fan, like you're just you know. I mean, think Kevin, like you said with Kevin Knowles. I mean, his freshman year, and he make comes in, makes picks, yeah. making picks, and you're just thinking, okay, this kid's going to be unbelievable. And I do think he was. I you know I think he's battled injuries, and 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 you know I think that's been a big part of it. Um, he's still very well liked, very well thought of, and so maybe this year he has that big bounce back year. Yeah, the, he did not get hurdled in the Georgia game. Notice in the Orange Bowl, he almost got hurdled again, but he clipped the kid, and the kid ended up landing kind of yeah. on his shoulder because McCaffrey did that to him, and like one other – not McCaffrey, listen to me, a generalized – Shipley did Shipley. that to him. The other, why would, the other I, why would I ask to call Shipley <laughs> McCaffrey? I don't know. Uh, and one other kid did it to him. But uh, anyway, I digress. Let's get to some questions here on Monday Smash presented by State Farm agent Russ Forhis. Remember to hit the like button underneath the video in about 15 to 20 minutes' time. Michael Langston will be by for recruiting questions, so you can file those away. But for Ira and I right now, what do we have from the chat window? Get down or lay down. Hey, what's going on? It's been a while since we've seen you in the chat. Tom and Ira, each of you get one. Who is this fall's surprise breakout performer? All right. Surprise, huh? Hmm. What do you define as a surprise? Uh, like yeah, a- that's the that's the challenge. It's like I'm all in. I've, I've Mentioned it last week. I think I'm all in with like Azaria Thomas. I think he's going to have a huge year, but that's not a surprise probably at this point. Um, I would say if I had to pick a and then like I don't know is is Hakeem Williams a surprise? Um, yeah. You know, we all thought he was going to be really good, and then he got hurt. Um, I I'm going to go with <laughs> can I? I don't know, man. That's a tough. There's so many. There's so many guys that kind of fit that answer that don't. I don't know. Does anybody jump to you? I mean, because I. I want to say DJ, DJ Uyungle. I think he's going to be a lot better than people think, but I, that doesn't qualify. It's kind of a weird, uh, kind of a weird season for that. I've got a freshman, and maybe after watching four or five spring practices, I go, nope, nope never mind. Uh, but Landon Thomas, Landon Thomas hmm. would be my surprise, and this would be about contribution, maybe not production as you know receptions and yards, but Ira, in terms of like a dude that you pluck away from high school that can do what your offense is asking to be done. He fits what they moving the tight ends around lining up all over the field. He loves to block like, and, and if you're an H back type, but not an inline tight end, he can do a little bit of everything. But if you're in that H back role, you don't necessarily have to be 21 and, and fully formed as, as an athlete to be able to pull off some of those assignments. So I think behind Kyle Morlock, maybe Landon Thomas could be a, a breakout performer. And what I would tell anybody watching this right now is you need to go back and watch Tom's video with D-Rob, Dominic Robinson, about Landon Thomas. Because apparently, I saw it. I don't know if I watched the whole thing, but but Corey just raves and raves about that that segment uh, as well. So you guys definitely sold uh, really Landon Thomas well. Yeah, I think Corey had some really he, high. He would never tell me that. So thank you for telling <laughs> me that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he was impressed by it as well. Um, yeah, I uh, – I, Man, uh, all right. I'm gonna. I mean, again, this is. I don't know if this is. Uh, this definitely it's, qualifies as a surprise to me. January, man, it's fine. Earl Little. Well, I'm just saying because I'm trying to figure out what qualifies. Yeah, Earl Little to me. Earl Little. Mm-hmm. I think Earl Little. I think he's going to be a star. Um, partly based on your interview with uh, our guy uh, at Alabama. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Clint Lamb. Uh, and plus, I just I liked him coming out of high school. So I'm gonna go with Earl Little. That'd be my guy. But even him, he was a huge recruit. I don't know if it's a big surprise. 
Thank you. Get down or lay down. That was a fun exercise. See, it's it's fun to go through. You go on the third third level of the two deep. That doesn't even exist. That's not a thing. Brett Taylor, guess at the rotation for oh my god, guys, you're bringing it tonight. Guess at the rotation for running back in 2024, racked up uh, ranked up by touches per game. Give us top three or four. Okay, so we don't have to go in order. Thank God. Um, touches per game. What do you think, Ira? You got to. I mean, uh, you know, LT is definitely going to be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Roydell Williams, the Alabama transfer, is going to be in there. Um, I think Cam Davis is going to be in there. Okay. And I, I'm i going to take a flyer in Samuel Singleton. Okay. I think that's the correct four because Cam provides you something different as what Singleton brings you. Um Roy Dell is going to, yeah, it's not Jalen Lucas because he's more of a kick returner and a, and a specialist. I think that's a gadget player. I was intrigued. And I don't think they'll do this full time, Ira, but I was intrigued by seeing Jakai in the backfield. I'm not saying he would get top four touches. I just wonder if they might do a little bit more of that. He looked pretty natural running the Wildcat. Uh, and I know that he was a, a running back before, um, but that doesn't, that doesn't answer Brett's question. I think, you, I mean, in, in, I mean, I, I, people are going to, say like I'm, I'm killing Kaziah cause I don't have Kaziah in there. I just, I don't know. I don't, I thought we'd see more out of Kaziah and it was a tough situation. I get it in the orange bowl, but I thought we'd see a little bit more out of him late in the season. Um, so right now I, and I just think Singleton has that blazing speed. Um, yeah. The Kaziah, yeah, sorry. The Kaziah thing is interesting to me. Like he's got the skill set to be in the top three or top four. There's no question about that to me. But I just think there's a little bit of redundancy in his game and, and Roydell's game. So I don't know if you're looking for variety. Like Lawrence is so versatile that he's going to do what he's going to do and he's going to be in that rotation. But then I kind of think you're getting the same player a little bit in Kazai and Roydell. And then Singleton is his own unique kind of track star player. And then Cam could be a wrecking ball for you. I don't know. If you're projecting that Cam's going to be, you know, a leader type, then he could climb the ranks quickly. That dude is cerebral as hell. Um, yeah. And so I think he can climb up the ranks fast. But thank you, Brett. We appreciate it. a good question. There's definitely awesome. definitely plenty of options. Octavio wants to know. Oh, Octavio, how's it going? I met him at Corner Pocket uh, on a Friday night earlier this uh, this football season. I guess that's not early at all anymore. It's late last year. What is your fear for DJU? We know the be- uh, best case scenario, but what are some things that could haunt him? What are some hmm. things that could haunt him? I don't know, man. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I, uh, I've been focused more on, you know, again, like I'm very positive about what he's going to bring to them. I think the, the thing that's, uh, he, he's not the most accurate passer in the world. Um, and he, and he's not been, um, you know, he's, I think it's, he's, he's got the ability to be feast or famine where you're going to have some big plays and maybe not some sustained drives. Um, the lack of accuracy, you just always worry is that can translate to, to turnovers. Um, but I don't know, man. I, you know, I think he's going to play well. I think he's, um, you know, I, I, I just have high hopes. I'm, I'm not putting any of that negative uh, juju on uh, DJ. I think he's going to play well. What, what are your concerns, Tom? I mean, it would be, it would be wrong shoulder. It would be a missed open guy here or there. I mean, I think there are going to be moments where you go, oh, come on, that guy's open. But then there are going to be moments where. He's going to flash arm talent. I mean, Ira, this was the hard thing about trying to break him down. I remember doing two years ago a feature for the Florida State Clemson game in Tallahassee. And he had played really well up to that game. But then he went on a long stretch to end his Clemson career where he didn't look good at all. So it devalued Florida State's performance in some places. But like good DJU is really, really good. So it's just it was very hard to quantify. I do think a strength, Octavio, is that the variety of offenses that DJ knows and what he learned last year at Oregon State will make the transition so much faster it's just there are going to be times where I think he, he's going to run cold he might be a little streaky but the good thing is historically Ira he doesn't turn it over when he's streaky so right. there's that as well uh Danzy yes Danzy's faster than Singleton he looked up the track times however Sam is a little bit more developed at, to get down or laid down that would be the, the running back part of it but he is pretty quick Sam Rhinol is Ireland a good litmus test or do we need to withhold judgment until Boston College an interesting question. Ira, do you have any thoughts on either what Georgia Tech did this year or I'm assuming Castellanos is running it back for Boston College next yeah, year? He is, he yeah, he is. He yeah. is. Castellanos is. Um, Georgia Tech's, it seemed, you know, they've been somewhat active in the transfer portal. Um, and they, you know, they they showed some life uh, as last season went on. I don't think that's going to be a, a complete cakewalk of a game. 
Um, but uh, I don't know how BC is tricky too. Uh, I mean, they, the BC's had some interesting portal portal acquisitions. Like they, um, some guys at Florida State from you know Treshawn Ward is now at Boston College. They also picked up another running back. Um, Castellanos is, you know, I don't know how many people watch BC as the year went on. There were times where Castellanos looked like the guy against Florida State, and then there were times where he was awful. Um, and it was very hot or cold, so it's kind of like you don't know what you're going to get from him in any given week. Um, uh, I don't know that either of those games – I mean, I could Florida State lose one of those games? Yeah, they could. That would be really disappointing. Um, I think Florida State's going to be much more talented than both those teams. Um, but they're not going to, but because they're e- early in the year and you are breaking a new quarterback and some other new players on defense, I guess you, you know, you, you know, it, it, they could definitely be challenges. But I don't know if either one of them, I don't know if you're going to win those games and think, okay, smooth sailing from here. Yeah. It's just week one or game one, I should say, probably more appropriately this year. Game one's always weird as it is. Now throw it in Ireland. Ireland. Yeah. Man, that's uh, that's going to be hard to derive any hard takeaways. And then even coming back, jet lag is going to set you off your body clock for the week. Then you play on a Monday. It's Man, you might not know until after Memphis, you know, exactly what you have on your hands. Uh, Spartan Noel, what's up, Ralph? Hope you're doing uh, very well out there in Hawaii. Do you think the experience our youngsters got in the bowl game will ultimately be a positive for future play? I, I can't see how it wouldn't be. Yeah, uh, no, oh, no. you don't think it's a blowout? I mean – what I don't know. I, I can't even imagine oh. what that film was like. I mean, because it was just there was just chaos. I mean, they it seemed like. I mean, I don't think a bunch of the guys who were out there knew what they were doing. Um, you know, I just think, and all wheels came off. Back to the point about Daryl Jackson. We talked about Daryl Jackson, and Josh Farmer. There were a few comments today on our message boards, basically saying, "Well, I saw Daryl Jackson in the, in the in the Orange Bowl, and he, I wasn't impressed." And it's like, man. You can't, I don't think you can take much of anything away from that game. I I guess the biggest takeaway I would have for the young guys is Conrad Hussey – or not Conrad Hussey, um, uh, Cryer, Justin Cryer. The way he played, how hard he played, and I saw him in the in, uh, outside the locker room after the game and how mad he was about that game. Like, I learned something about that guy. And I think, you know, K.J. Sampson got a chance to play. Some of the young guys did. I don't want to dismiss it completely, but I just think it was such a chaotic situation that I don't know how much they're going to take from it from a like, okay, I've been in these situations and, yeah. and, and, and these are things I can carry over. Cause it was just, well, it's it, nonsense. It, it won't be anything you draw back on uh, for morale purposes. You know, but remember that time we were in the orange bowl and we rallied, yeah. there, was, there was no rally. We were but, down 50, but it, you know, if you're looking for the standard of, of what it needs to be and, and you know, you see what the best do. Yeah. They might embarrass you in a situation like that, but, like, okay, and that's what it looks like. That's how quick I need to be. Uh, Brock Glenn for processing information. This is how quick yeah. I have to be. I thought Destin Hill, you know, there's like in pockets, I think. I, I don't know that it's a, a swath of, say, true freshmen that are going to walk away from that game and, and gain a lot. But I think there are certain players, Ira, that you could point right. to and say they're better for it. Nobody's better for having watched it, but they're better for having played it. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I guess it's just to me it's hard to evaluate. Let me put it that way. I because yeah. like like Hakeem Williams did not look good, but it was also his first game back after missing more than a month or whatever. He was injured. Plus, again, he's thrust into this ridiculous situation. So I, I just think, from that standpoint, you know, another basketball comparison. Like when Bob and Miller came in midway through last season in basketball as a freshman, misses sixteen games, comes into a team that's in disarray and terrible, and he doesn't look good. I don't. I didn't feel like you could judge him based on that. Well, now you're seeing he's a good player. He's turned into a really nice player. He's blocking shots, grabbing rebounds. He's had a you know basically been on the cusp of several double doubles. Um, and so from that reason, I just I don't know how much good was came out of that situation. I don't know how much we could evaluate him. But yeah, I, I agree with you that those guys who got out there and got game reps, it, it should help them. We'll have a couple more questions with Ira after we thank our sponsor here. And this is not with the uh, the old 15-second uh, director, Ben. We'll use that for the transition. But uh, just Ira talking about our guy, Russ Forhis, who's been a longtime supporter of what we do. And if you're just tuning in again for the first time on Monday Smash, Russ Forhis has offices, as you can see at the bottom of the screen there, Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park. But if you live anywhere in the state of Georgia or Alabama or Florida, he can help you and he can guide you with whatever you need in terms of insurance uh, questions. He'll meet with you. He'll talk Knowles with you. He'll talk insurance with you. 
he's as knowledgeable as they come, Ira. Yeah, and all, and all kinds of insurance. And, and as you said, he's uh, been in the business for a long time, has got multiple offices, has a staff that's very helpful and, and uh, can answer your questions as well. And there's phone numbers. If you watch on YouTube, you can see the phone numbers. But if you're not, go to russvorhis.com, R-U-S-S-V-O-R-H-I-S.com. And uh, there's information on the site. You can actually request a quote or have them re- uh, call you back with more information. And uh, we uh, recommend Russ highly. Uh, a couple more questions for Ira. Hello, Michael. We'll see you in just one minute. One minute. That, that's the old green room function. Uh, <laughs> stand by. Uh, and what do we have here, Director Ben? Let's go with two more. Two more questions. Hey, headliners and elite headliners. It's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system, We're offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. Did we lose director? There he is. Lee, who do you think will make the biggest off-season physical transformation under Coach Storms? Okay. Well, is it one of those kids, Ira, that you saw maybe Orange Bowl practices, or do you think it might be somebody else? Any guesses? Those freshmen should. I mean, if you think about what we saw from, again, like Hakeem Williams, though his body type when he came in, when we saw him in February at the tour of duty, to what he looked like by, by August, that was impressive. And I think you'll see that with some of those young guys as well. Um, one big one that I really want to see is Julian Armella. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think, and we, we, you know, you and I have watched Julian a lot, uh, you more than me when watching, uh, the offensive line, defensive line drills. Um, you know, I think there's an opportunity for him and, and Jalen early, um, to compete for playing time this, this fall, this will be their third year in the system. This will be their third year at college. Um, and you know, I'm not saying it's do or die cause it's clearly not, but, um, you know, I think this is – I want to see Julian Armella become – you know, he transformed his body in high school from kind of a heavy kid to much lighter and much much leaner. And then he's been in the process of getting back to bigger and stronger. And I think, you know, he's got a good frame. I want to see him look like a guy who can move people out of the way uh, by this fall. So that's one I, I would focus on. It's a great one to focus on because it's such an interesting storyline. You know, whispers uh, – and I will use that term loosely, like whispers around the program saying – what's going on here? What gives? Um, is he happy? Is everything copacetic? What's going on with Julian Armella? Because he was the most highly touted, the offensive lineman that came in a couple classes ago. Well, by the end of the season, Ira, I don't know if those concerns are well-founded or not, but he's the one that's chasing Mike Norvell with the cooler uh, right. in the ACC championship game. He's the guy that's front and center. If you see all of those uh, recap videos that they do, like intently listening to listening every, every yeah. yeah, every syllable that he's got to say on the practice fields, the good is really, really good. It's just that there's a lot of bad that they can't trust him. So this is this is the spring. If they get to work, uh, the tour duty goes well, the training goes well. If he can get that bad, that that really low valley out of his game and stick with the peaks and some consistency, he could compete for a top eight this year. And I think strength would go a long way with that confidence, Ira. And the, and the consistency is the whole thing. I mean, and, and when people hear that, you wonder, okay, like, because I think a lot, you know, None of us, you know, I certainly didn't play football at a high level. Um, and a lot of people watching this didn't. And so you don't understand like, okay, what does that mean? If you can do this, if you can do this technique 
or you know how to run this drill. Why can't you just do it every time? Well, it's difficult. I mean, if everybody, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And the great players can do it time and time and time and time again and, and execute it at a high level. And Julian is a guy who that's the way you explained it is exactly how I explain it to people when they ask me is you'll watch a couple reps and you're like, okay, that's it. And then you'll watch another rep and like, mm, man, he lost his balance, took yep. a bad step, whatever it is. And he got run over. And so, but man, you know, again, this is, this is not a normal, it's not abnormal. It usually it is more normal for a guy to take a couple of years on the offensive line to get there. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think if you're bigger and stronger, now that helps with the confidence. And the other thing is, and and we'll uh, get our final one here in a second. But uh, our he's got the agility. You know, he's got he's got the athleticism to play in the scheme. He's built for it. He's got good quick feet, and he's mean. He'll be one of the enforcer types. And he's he's not afraid to to get back up and go back in there. Like the, one of the most impressive thing I've ever seen from him is that Jared Verse could ru- drive him into next week, and man, he just would hustle back up and get right back in the line. I mean, he's never. You know, some guys, you know, pout a little bit or 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 get down on themselves. I've never seen that from him. Yeah, he had the respect of Jared Verse because they would uh, acknowledge each other and and treat each other positively. Where sometimes they're scrums, they liked each other. Uh, our last of, of the night is Robert D. Just to thank you very much for your contribution. He just says, "Iron Tom, good combo." With a thumbs up. Thanks, Robert D. Robert, we appreciate that. And that thumbs up is something y'all should hit underneath the video because coming up in just a second will be our senior recruiting analyst and our portal analyst as i like to say these days too uh that is michael langston ira thank you very much uh i heard you haven't had dinner yet so go get you some grub man yeah i, I look like i'm missing a lot of meals i know but uh <laughs> appreciate it tom enjoy the rest of the evening and i'll i'll uh, i'll be watching to see what uh, michael has to say we'll be back in 15 seconds from uh our friend russ forhis Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. Well, howdy, partner. How you doing, Michael Langston? I feel like I popped on here early. I was like, why are they popping me on? Like, I think something happened with my mic and I hit, I don't know, something hit a button or something, but I'm here. That's so. a, that's, but you know what? That's the proper way to tease an entrance is just to say, <laughs> I'm here. I'm physically here. Hey, how's it going? I always like to be on time. So I think a punctuality is a, a big deal. It's a skill, my man. Availability is the most important skill, right? So he's Michael Langston, Senior Recruiting Analyst, Senior Portal Analyst here for Warchant.com. We're going to get to your questions from Michael's round out the show in just a bit. A Junior Day wrap discussion also in between. But before we get to those items related to Junior Day, Michael, you put together a couple of RPMs I saw on the boards. That's the old yeah. prediction, uh, recruiting prediction machine for On3. Would you mind telling us about uh, maybe first the linebacker that you entered a, a port, an RPM for? Yeah, I don't enter a lot of them. So uh, for linebackers, so uh, <laughs> it's it, it was definitely a positive one. Uh, uh, T- Tavian uh, Wallace, he's out of uh, out of Georgia. They a guy they they really liked a lot. You know, for a while, um, they've been recruiting this kid uh, pretty consistently. He's been to FSU like three or four times now. Um, you know, guy that just fits everything they want as far as uh, playing all three of the the linebacker positions and. And I think um, he's a guy that that every time I mean the last two times he's visited he's told me the same thing where FSU is number one and he's been very emphatic about it and the body language kind of fits kind of you know what you hear in the leader stuff and then the intel behind it after I had interviewed him you know really felt good and everything I've heard uh, behind the scenes is that FSU is the team he really likes Randy a lot he really likes Norvell a lot they treat him they covet him um, he understands what um type of things that FSU is going to do utilizing him in the defense even said some interesting things um on the weekend where they discussed that more in depth of scheme wise of uh, stuff they did packages wise so I think uh I think they've only strengthened their chances um you know certainly there with Tavion so that's one of them and then the other one is Gregory Thomas out of uh, American Heritage shocker another American Heritage kid uh <laughs> yeah that they're after but um ha- has had a long time um I, I felt for like the last two visits that FSU was really, you know, trending in a very positive place for Greg. Um, he's a guy that was a freshman when Pat was there. So he knows Pat well. Um, that's a guy that, that he has a really strong relationship with. Even an extra tie is 
he's part of the Seminole tribe with his family ancestry. So uh, he has some Seminole in him already. So um, and, and I think just everything's checked and clicked uh, with Greg from the start. It isn't just the ties or, you know, the Seminole heritage. It's, it's, it's really just his connection when he, when he sees what FSU does and just the feeling he gets when he's there. Like I hit a lot of guys up on different topics and, you know, whenever I do have to do recruit reaction, he is one of the first to respond immediately. You know, so you can tell he's invested in what they're doing, uh, excited about where they're growing. And I just feel like everything, uh, you know, points to FSU there. I think uh, I think FSU is in a good position for both of those young men. So, Michael, we, you know, we'll do the recruiting chat often here on Warchan TV and there'll be, you know, Q&A's on uh, different players, and it gets right kind of into the weeds about recruiting. But if you don't mind, there's a lot of casual Florida State fans who love the team stuff that tune into Smash. Just talking about what a junior day looks like for kids, you know, when they get on campus. Like, it's more than a day, right? They stay overnight. But, like, what is the experience like for a high school player when they visit a campus for junior day? Yeah, it's essentially, uh, you know, to start off with, it's essentially a fancy name for an unofficial visit. Um, they do a lot of unofficial visit stuff, uh, but it's more – time constraint type stuff where it's probably like a three, four hour event, uh, but overall the kids can stay as long as they want. They want to stay overnight. They can come back and, you know, keep visiting um, basically to do a lot of different activities with the kids just to show them what the college athlete goes through, um, get them to experience kind of just, um, you know, some cases around the players, but just be around to see kind of what, what the, the program as a whole has to offer. And it's just really, for me, it's more personal time around the coaches where you can get to know these guys personally instead of what you see with them visiting your school, you know, or if you visited before, you sometimes get a more detailed layout. They go through film. They watch a lot of things. There's football stuff, but there's also um, off the field stuff, personal stuff that, you know, from a relationship standpoint, it really depends on the players. Like if you've done a lot of that, you know, film study and stuff, they're not going to focus as much on that. They're going to focus on stuff that, I think they do a really good job of, of these junior days of how they flow with each recruit. You know, it's like what each recruit is going to connect with. I think that's what FSU does. So it's basically just a get to know the program or sometimes for some kids, it's a first look at the program. Cause a lot of times these kids have never been to FSU. A few of them are first visits. So I think it really though, it's kind of a fancy word of an unofficial visit, but it's, it's a little more, they do a few more things, a few more activities that, you don't get for the normal unofficial visit, but um, really it's just a, a get to know process. Well, that seems to be Florida state strengths too, because uh, relationships is, is how they operate. That's their number one currency. So uh, I'm sure that's where they flex their muscle. Let's get to some questions here. I'm on smash for Michael. Let's see. First question up on the board is from super music man, 1965. How about that Auburn linebackers? Yeah, I knew we'd go to the portal, Michael. I just knew we would go to the portal. Uh, but your thoughts on the uh, portal linebacker? His name escapes me. Uh, go yep. ahead. His name is uh, Cam Riley. Cam Riley. Um, that's a guy they've been uh, – I've heard a lot of buzz and activity. I do expect a pursuit, probably a visit. Um, like I say, he's a May guy, so uh, you probably won't see a lot of activity until like May. Um, but I do think you'll see a visit. I do think there's mutual interest. I think there's – certainly a realistic and legit shot um, that they can get this kid. They also have Nakai Hill Green, who we've covered, the Charlotte linebacker. I think that's the situation that could work out for FSU in probably May or, or June. Uh, there's some academic stuff to figure out, but I think they feel good about you know their position. But um, I think, yeah, Cam Riley, big linebacker. I know if, if Tom pulls up the profile, it'll, it'll maybe freak some people out because he doesn't. His size doesn't equal what a linebacker is supposed to be as far as size-wise. I think it's 6'5", 240 or something like that. Um, Sings more like a defensive end. Um, but, um, yes, he's definitely a guy that I've I've heard a good amount of buzz with. That's probably the guy I think their target locked on uh, to start with in the, in the month of May when we hit that May 1st through May 15th window. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the top guys they push for. And I think there's – a pretty, I've heard a pretty uh, realistic shot as far as FSU, you know, landing him, and he's a, he, he kind of fits what they're looking for, kind of pretty productive type of linebacker. Mm. He knows the system, uh, he knows what type of stuff that FSU would like to do, and um, certainly fits all the characteristics that we've heard of what they're looking for. 
Well, I'll tell you what, two characteristics that fit what I'm looking for, Michael, are <laughs> six foot five and two hundred and forty two pounds. Those those are the characteristics that I'm all about right there. Yeah. So you could see that uh, we had his uh, on three profile up. He was 215, 210 coming out of high school. Yeah. On 30 pounds. I mean, my goodness, 30 pounds. He looks like a, he looks like a little kid there compared to the Auburn photo. Uh, but 245. All right. We'll see if Florida State lands him. That lends itself to Noel Fan 91's question. I think the answer is just a resounding yes. Do we look for another linebacker in space? Yeah. This is a priority for Florida State. Yeah. yeah. They definitely want that. Probably two, to be honest with you, because. They don't have one outside of, uh, you know, they got Sean Murphy, but uh, they still want to really solidify that depth. And, and we've seen that across the board with FSU. They're not afraid to go over the position of what they need. And I think uh, you could see, you know, two guys added. Uh, but I think Cam is definitely the top guy that hasn't visited, that they really are locked in. And usually when they lock in, you, you, the results are pretty good. Usually I hear like constant calls. <laughs> you know, the chances are usually pretty good. Tom Kirkpatrick wants to know what happened to the defensive end who was a five-star player in 25 and changed to 24. I, I don't know if he's a five-star, but might they be referring to Amari Williams? Is that- uh, yeah, he could be. Uh, he switched from 2025 to 2024. He was the number one athlete in the um, the country um, uh, for 2025, but obviously the rankings kind of shift once you you go to another class. Um, I, I feel extremely good that FSU is going to get some good news whenever he decides to announce. I've I've heard he wants to announce with, you know, in the February uh, late late signing period. But, um, you know, I feel uh, pretty strongly about where FSU sits there. I think um, I think people will be pretty happy whenever he does, you know, eventually reveal that news. And it's and it's a plus for them because you just have added a quarterback, Trevor Jackson, I believe uh, his name. And then, you know, and then you add him. I think if you get those two additions, uh, which one they've already enrolled in FSU, so you got him, and then you add in Amari, I think uh, that certainly uh, could push them into that top ten. A uh, question on Amari Williams because I remember doing the signing day show, and that that's always is a grind, you know that. Um, and there was this urgency; it felt like if he wasn't going to sign today, then the chances uh, not yeah. so sure. Like it's not now or never, but it was close to that. So, what do you think happened? that made him stick with Florida state. Well, I have until I can't share on that yet. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. But, um, I was feeling the same way. Like, Hey, there was going to be visits. I will kind of go into a little backstory after that, you know, once, uh, everything goes down. But, um, once I found out this information, I kind of, you know, I felt pretty good about, you know, where things were, but, uh, I don't think anything just, uh, you know, ultimately changed. I think, you know, I'll go into it later, but, yeah. I could just say people, you know, I think uh, there's a really, really good chance he'll he'll end up uh, at a fish you. Okay, so we'll put a bookmark in that. We won't forget. We have we have long memories here on Warchant.com and Warchant TV. So head over to the site after. There might be a backstory in writing, but maybe we can get that on video as yeah. well. Yeah. What I will say, Michael, is that interview that day, it looked like he wanted to commit on the spot when he visited. But, you know, that yeah. you always got to take your time and, and process information. William wants to know, do y'all think we get it? Okay, so I'm going to cross linebacker off the list, William. Okay. Do y'all think we get a defensive tackle, linebacker, and experienced wide receiver after spring? We've addressed the middle one. So, what do you think about D tackle and wide receiver, Michael? Yeah, I think William's on the right track. I mean, I think that's kind of things they'll look for because there's going to be attrition to FSU, uh, you know, adding and leaving more than likely, you know, after the spring. Uh, you know, I think you had it on where you're talking about Julian Armel and all these guys. I mean, there's going to be guys that have decisions to make after that spring. So, I think defensive tackle, uh, linebacker, and, and wide receiver is kind of where I've got circled. I think the difference with this wide receiver, what they got in the, you know, with Jalen Browns and the Malik Benson is, I think you're going to want somebody with numbers, uh, productivity. Uh, that's that's going to be a big deal uh, with whoever you get. And I think preference would be a bigger body receiver that can do a lot of different things that you can use inside and outside. I think that's kind of what they're looking for. But I think I think William is definitely on the right track. That's kind of what I have circled. Now there might be a few more that they do best available. Uh, we've seen that FSU is not afraid to overload a uh, position. So there might be positions that they add on to um, that we don't have on there, like offensive tackle. Uh, I know they, they would like one. Seems like they're still recruiting interior guys. I think Jacob Rizzi is a guy that visited over the weekend at, from Harvard. He visited over the weekend. It's kind of a sneak in visit and um, I'm, I'm looking to get up with him. Um, but yeah, so there, there's still some best available in there, but I think, for the most part, William has it as far as the main places, uh, DTLB and um, 
you know, another wide receiver. Well, maybe there could be a best available, Michael. I mean, like, look, I'm not even hinting at tampering or anything. It's just that if Michigan loses its head coach, chances are there's going to be some really good football players that might be looking elsewhere. So it's almost like this never ends. I mean, well, it does never end. Coaches know that, and we know that in the industry. But, I mean, Michigan, or maybe if somebody replaces Harbaugh at Michigan from another Power 5 institution, like, you've got to reassess every time one of these windows open, right? You do. And I mean, you got to reassess your roster and you always got to look of, of what your roster is going to look like after May, you know, after mm-hmm. after you go through spring. Um, you know, it's it's very encouraging. All the stuff we've heard with the battles in where they mentioned, you know, this guy's coming back, this guy's coming back relationships. And, you know, these guys are supposed to pop back. I think it's always a good thing. Uh, you know what you're getting as far as the return and the retention. But um, overall, you got to keep working on your roster until you know this is what you have. You know, until after that May 15th, uh, you know, until you have what you're going to have going into the season. So, yeah, it's a it's a almost a full year. It feels like thing. Um, obviously, the next two weeks uh, we'll have back to back again uh, junior days. Um, that'll kind of wrap up my part. Um, after that, I'm going to kind of slide away a little bit and, uh, you know, let the team guys do their things. But um but yeah, you, you got to get that roster right. And uh, it's never over until, you know, the, both of those windows are done and uh, you're always evaluating the roster. I mean, that's 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 what FSU is really excelled at um, compared to a lot of schools where they think they can squeeze somebody in. And I think once FSU has an eye on somebody in the portal and they feel like go time, they go, you know, they don't hesitate. They don't well, we could get somebody else that could be better. It's like if they fit what they're doing, FSU doesn't hesitate. The last portal question, and then we'll get a couple of recruiting things, and then okay. we'll wrap it for the night. Jalen says, what's more likely? What's more likely? Now, we know what they're shopping for. Proven wide receiver or another offensive lineman? What, what do you think that they uh, they would be more likely to do if you had to pick one of them? I'd say offensive tackle because I think if you offered me a, a really solid left tackle, I think I would take that over another receiver. I think you feel good about the, you know, the few guys that you you have coming in and then what you're returning. I think that's more likely. It doesn't mean that they won't get both. Why not both, Jalen? Why not both, man? You know, but (laughs) I think it's more likely that you see a left tackle in there because left tackle would really, I think, solidify kind of what they have in the room. Boy, Michael, you keep on saying left tackle. I I hope there's a reason for that. That would be very nice. Uh, we'll move forward. Garrett wants to know, will we get a we on French? Will we get a yes on Jamie French? What do you think? Well, I'm glad you told me that because I'm not down with my French all the way. But, uh, you know, but uh, that's good. Uh, I, I, I would say if I was putting a pick right now, Garrett, that's who I would go with. I would pick FSU. Um, Matt already jumped in. He's like, I'm going jumping pool in the swimming pool. Uh, Matt's like, hey, I'm picking him. I'm not quite there yet, but I do think if he was deciding today and, and if to say this was signing day, I think FSU would be the pick, but I think they're in the best spot. I think they're sitting good. I think they've done everything you need to do um, you know, throughout this process. And I think too, I think it was a big deal that they were the first to get him on campus. <clears throat> you know, once getting done with that, um, you know, decommitting from Alabama, I think that was a big deal of, of he could have went to a lot of places. I mean, he, I, I think, the Florida guys even thought he was going to come over there. He went to Florida State. Um, and uh, so, though, I think overall, I think they're checking all the boxes. And and certainly with their offense, um, their their productivity on the field is is very enticing to him. Um, the feeling he gets around the school is very enticing. So I say, yeah, I mean, it, it looks pretty good, Garrett. Go with we for now. Thank you very much, yep. Garrett, for the question. Last recruiting question before we wrap up for tonight. Thoughts on Zayden Walker. Oop, wait, we snuck one in. Sorry. In the 2025 class, uh, is there a certain group that's most important? Most important. Is that linebacker, Michael? Could it be anything else? I don't think it could be anything else for me. <laughs> it's got to be linebacker because you need some. I mean, I, I like I like the Elmore Grams. I like uh, certainly like Blake Nicholson a lot. Um, I, I, I like some of the talent that you have in there. But you need a lot more blue chippers in that that linebacker room. And uh, so that has to be uh, the position that is the focus, I think, for 2025. Now, the good news is they already have one four-star in Ethan Pritchard out of Seminole, the Sanford Seminole. And then another one, I already covered Wallace. If he jumps in, that's two. So you're you're on the pace of what you want. Um, so overall, I think, um, you know, they're checking off what they need to do. But, yeah, that will be the top position for me, linebacker. 
All right, so we'll cap it with this linebacker, Zayden Walker. <laughs> this would be a big fish. My yes, goodness. yes. What do you think? Yes, I think um, I think Randy would get a lot of beers bought for him if he could pull <laughs> off Zayden Walker, the number one linebacker in the country. Um, I, I I've I've said this before. You know, going into this visit, you know, I felt pretty strongly it was Georgia. And then after the visit, I checked with the people that are around, you know, Walker and then people that would know him and just would know what's going on. And and they were like, yeah, he likes Georgia a lot, but this is a lot closer than you guys think. Like, I mean, there, there's a there's a closeness to FSU that that really resonates with him that I think FSU is very much a player, very close. I mean, they they mentioned it to me, like going to visit, you know, high percentage for Georgia and then going, you know, once he visited FSU and they really knocked it out of the park, they mentioned it more like uh, in the 55, you know, 45, pretty close, mm-hmm. you know. So I think FSU's done what they need to do uh, as far as uh, checking off. I think like uh, French, he wants to see, you know, just consistency of what the, the program looks like. Because I think people are like, you do one year and you do another year, and people are like, okay, where's the five stars? You know, it's like a lot of times recruits want to see a two, uh, two between two to four year pattern of consistency of what you do, and you know, this is going to eat into that third year. If you have three year, straight good years, I think uh, it certainly will make you know, big ways for guys like Zayden Walker. But I think um, he really resonated with the culture that is at FSU, but also the winning. You know, he loves, you know, what the winning product that he sees on the field. Um, and uh, I think that really attracts to him. And then, too, I don't think he's a guy that's kind of like, oh, you got to stay home because it's you know, you're in a certain state. I think he's going to go where if this is the place that, that feels the best uh, as far as comfort or fit, I think that's what Satan's going to do. It's not going to be just about every top tier team. So coming up on Warchant.com, Michael has all of the reports. I mean, you got RPMs. You learned about those in the channel today. But there are reports coming from this past Junior Day. And then, Michael, the future of Junior Day for Florida State, it's next weekend and another one or just yeah. one more? Two yeah, more? January Janu- – um, I'd say January. Yeah, January 27th, and then you have another one on February 3rd. Um, that's when the weekends start uh, for those. And then and then that'll, that'll kind of wrap it up. And I think there's a dead period, so – I get a little break uh, and, and go from there. But um, I think uh, that's kind of the last two weekends of it's kind of just to get as many kids on there that you're serious about to get them on campus. I would say the February 3rd weekend is probably the bigger one compared to the two because um, that's the last one, the last impression that you have, you know, going into the kind of the, the quieter dead period or whatever it is. And then uh, you kind of just get cranked up for, uh, you know, this upcoming season and, I, I feel pretty good about, you know, just the, the wording and the stuff that I'm hearing behind the scenes of, you know, how high school coaches view FSU and, and, and just where they sit with a lot of these guys. I think it might be arguably could be one of the best offensive lines of classes I think they've signed in history of FSU if they get the guys that I think they're going to get. And then I think overall, if you can knock out the weakness of that linebacker spot, say you get a Wallace Say you get you you obviously keep Pritchard and then you add one more. Obviously the 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 golden unicorn would be uh, Zayden, but you could just re- really establish that position. I think it would go a long way to making this class uh, potentially you know in that top five range. We'll be getting the blow by blow over the next few weeks for Junior Day, but then it gets into all right. What can you do in the spring? Get him on campus maybe for the spring game and then into the summer. It's going to be a really jam packed year for the 2025 cycle. So head over to warchant.com, sign up at warchant.com for all 2025 recruiting information, also portal information from our own Michael Langston. All right, Michael. So I guess that means we're going to be talking quite a bit over the next week and a half, and then you're going to go say sayonara for a little bit. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of you know kind of what we're setting. Uh, I, I will say this, guys. I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. I worked for four days on this hot board for 2025. It covers every single major target for every position. We've released the quarterbacks. We've released uh, running backs and receivers and tight ends. We have the offensive line coming up. I have the entire thing done. We're going to pop it out to you in spades. So when I'm gone, you're still going to get your piece. So I want to make sure I made sure I took care of you guys you know, before we jet on out of here as far as uh, and let the team guys do their thing in March. But I mean, overall, I think um, I think I'm excited about it. It's been an exciting year. It's been 
a, a up and down stressful year uh, with the normal coaching stuff to, mm-hmm. you know, just overall with portal and juggling it. Um, I think uh, overall, I think FSU has uh, really responded strongly after what was probably one of the most devastating days of, of FSU football of, of the snub that happened to them. Uh, that was a lot to deal with. And I, I think it even took them, you know, probably around a week to kind of just gather themselves and just kind of, okay, let's get back on the pa- pa- uh, pace and, you know, do what we do. But uh, really uh, uh, they've responded strongly. Two Wednesdays ago was the Saban retirement and then 48 hours. Well, a little less than of hell. Yep. That feels yeah. like it was a, that feels like it was a year ago, Michael. It really I'm does. Telling you, but there's more information to come. More good news. It sounds like to come for Forrest. Head to WarChant.com. Sign up today if you haven't. If you're just hanging out on the channel, hit the thumbs up underneath if you like this. Tell your Florida State brethren to come to WarChant TV for the best information. He's Michael Langston. Our thanks to Irish Chauffel today for his expertise on the team side of the operation. We've got shows coming for you this week, everybody. On Wednesday night, there's going to be a schedule reaction show. Schedule reaction shows. Florida State knows. All of its games in 2024, the weekends that you can go to a wedding. If somebody is crazy enough to have a fall wedding, you'll get a reprieve a couple of weekends. And then the weekends that you're going to have to respectfully decline those weddings. We'll know that on Wednesday, Thursday show as well. Uh, time to be determined. Coverage galore on Warchan TV. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Uh, sorry, tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. for Seminole Headlines. Jeff, Corey, and Ira convene for Seminole Headlines. For uh, myself, Michael, Ira, Director Ben, behind the scenes, thank you to State Farm Agent Russ Forhis and Robert for their contributions tonight. We will talk to you next time on Warchant TV.